My name is Ruby Powell Dennis, and this is The Future is Full of Second Chances. We look at black women candidates and political operatives from across the country to discuss how they overcome losing, how are they making an impact now, and how do they hope the country's perceptions of women, particularly black women in electoral politics, changes. I'm joined today by Christy Sullivan, who recently ran for school board District 4 for Shelby County Schools in the Memphis, Tennessee area this past August. Unfortunately, Christy didn't get the outcome she wanted. However, she's here today to talk a little bit about what she's been up to and what is her hope for the future of electoral politics for Black women. Christy, thank you so much for joining me. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Thank you for having me, Ruby. I'm really excited to be here. I'm excited to have the chance to connect and to talk with you today and just to share more um, about my experiences. So this is a really exciting moment for me. Thank you so much. So, Christy, can you tell listeners a little bit, just so they get grounded in the context of your race, a little bit about the state of your race, essentially what was happening, some things that were going on in the ecosystem there, in case they're unfamiliar with, say, School Board District 4 in Memphis, Tennessee? Ooh, a lot to unpack there. A lot of things happened. I ran, as you mentioned, in August of 2020. So there was a lot of excitement and a lot of buzz about politics because um, it was a presidential election year. So people were really starting to take note of the fact that down ballot races are really important uh, and really shape and have a great impact on our local community and uh, the policies that form so much of what happens in our day to day. Uh, so while it was a small, what could be considered by many a small uh, race, there was a lot that was going on. I also have to say that like this happened in the context of a global pandemic. Uh, so the way the race started and the campaign plan that we had built uh, certainly changed dramatically because we did not have the opportunity uh, to do a lot of direct interaction with voters. And I think another really large um, um, thing that shaped the race that I ran was that I was running against an incumbent who previously stated uh, that he was not going to run. But on the filing deadline, got back in the race uh, because he said that he felt like our school district needed stable leadership uh, throughout the course of the pandemic. So there just were a lot of uh, factors that we could not have planned for. But all in all, I am uh, really proud of and excited about the race that I was able to run because I did not go into this because I have had a lifelong aspiration to be a politician. Uh, I do not see national or state level politics in my future. I don't know what the Lord sees, uh, but that's not what I see. Uh, but I entered into this race because of the leadership that I wanted to see in my local school board and from the leader that represents me uh, and my children and the children of my community. I live in a community that is uh, overwhelmingly comprised of black and brown children uh, who live in poverty. And our school system is 96 percent black and Latino. And 70% of our white citizens send their children to private school. So there is a large disparity and there are uh, big gaps in the experiences that students in my community see. Um, 
most all of the school choices that I have that are within walking distance of my home and our zone schools are chronically underperforming schools. And I felt like there was time for change and that we needed to really step up and take a hard look at what was happening within our local school community. And we needed to hold ourselves accountable to the decisions that we are making that impact the educational outcomes and the economic futures of our children. And so that's why I stepped up and I ran and let everyone know that I was a mom on a mission. Uh, I have been working in education for the last 11 years. But again, politics was not my lane. It was not my sphere. I came into this because I knew that the things that were important to me were things that were also important to other parents and families. My daughter is, um, when school opens again, she will be in a building that is the oldest building in the school district. It's more than a hundred years old. It is not ADA compliant. And most recently this spring, we found that there was lead in the water sources within my daughter's school. You know, like I said, um, less than a quarter of children in our school district are reading on grade level by third grade, dramatically impacting uh, what their chances will be to have the ability to graduate from high school, prepare for college or career. And again, I just stepped forward because I knew that there was time for us to do something different. Uh, and I wanted to be the voice for parents and families and to make certain that we had the opportunity uh, to be authentic partners and welcome to the decision making table. Uh, when we think about what we want the future of our education system to be in our city. Yes, indeed. Thank you for that. Now, we all get into this thinking one thing, right? We, you know, have a clear vision for what we want to see, the change we want to see, how we want to serve our community. But tell us what's something unexpected you learned from, you know, running for office and, and running to serve your community in this way. Some unexpected things that I would say I encountered, you know, I, I like I say, I ran for school board. And when you talk about down ballot races, that's like just one of the furthest down the ballot races that you could potentially run for. I got into this again because of my passion for children and for, you know, creating better educational experiences. And so I was not prepared for the politics of it. Uh, to be completely honest, I did not originally, I think, take into consideration the fact that we were going, I was going to have to deal so much with decisions being made by adults when ultimately this was about children. I also don't think that, uh, I was really prepared, uh, for people to, see me differently because of the fact that uh, I came into this space as a uh, working mother with two young children and as a wife. It, uh, to be completely honest, was really disheartening when I started talking to people in my very close circle of family and friends who said to me, you know, you have young children. Why are you running? Um, your children need you at home. And I was like, it is because I have young children that I am running. And even when I began to talk to other women 
who have been um, involved in local politics for many years. You know, some of them even said to me, you need to be careful. Make certain that people see you with your children, but you can't have them out with you too much because you don't want them to say, well, why are her children always with her? Does she have a babysitter? You know, can't she find someone to keep her children? Why aren't they at home? So it was, uh, I have to be honest, somewhat disheartening early on in the process uh, for people to see me different and to paint me negatively because of the things that I really felt like were assets coming into this arena. But, you know, nevertheless, we persisted. Uh, we continue to fight. And again, I see those as things that really give me the empathy um, and the compassion and the lived experiences for me to be successful when I think about local politics. Thank you for sharing that. And that's unfortunate when we talk about gender parity and the issues that you know, we're fighting for that women in many generations of women have struggled for that. That is still, unfortunately, a reality and an experience, you know, for great candidates like yourself. So I want to pivot a little bit and just hear, you know, how are you serving and leading since your election? I mean, you mentioned your family. Um, you mentioned being a working woman and all the responsibilities that come with that. Of course, COVID is still a challenge for Everyone at this point, I think everyone's life has been touched by COVID in some way, shape, form or fashion. So I'd love for you to share a little bit about how you're serving and leading. The first thing I would say is that uh, the night of the election, uh, I called the incumbent who won and congratulated him and also let him know that I was going to be one of his most active constituents and that my role is to hold him accountable. So I am still reaching out to him consistently. Um, making certain that I am ending myself as a resource, also as a set of helping hands. And that is, I think, something that all of us can do in a space uh, that all of us can lead in. Our elected officials need to know how we think and how we feel about key decisions that they are making every day that impact us, our children, our families, and our communities. So that's the first thing I'm doing. I'm working really hard to make certain that my voice is heard, but it is also really important to me, uh, which was another reason why I ran, that I am able to amplify the voice of other parents and families. So I'm doing uh, a lot of work locally with the parent advocacy group. Uh, we are in the process of having consistent talks uh, with our local district around how we uh, would like to work together in helping them to shape and design what family engagement looks like, particularly at the classroom level. Uh, we are hoping to soon partner with them to pilot a tool uh, that is um, very close to an individualized education plan. And what that simply means is that each parent, family member or caregiver who is supporting student learning at home has an understanding of where their child is. Um, are they on grade level? Are they mastering the concepts uh, that they should be uh, for where they are? But a re really important uh, key factor in this is that parents know how they can help at home. You know, I have been in the space where I have gotten report cards or progress reports or some type of data analysis snapshot of my child. And I'm like, this is good. I think it's okay. What does this mean? 
And as someone who uh, works in education, I'm really fortunate that I can reach out to folks who currently are or previously have been classroom educators and ask them to break it down to me and to talk to me in layman's terms. And that is something that all parents and families should be able to do. You should know what your child is expected to learn, where they are, and how you can help them at home in very simplistic terms. And so that is uh, something that even though I am not sitting in the seat uh, as the elected official, I am still out working, again, with other parents and families uh, who are like-minded, who want to change the experiences we are having and making certain that we are pushing forward for the things that are very important to us. Thank you for sharing that. And so what would you say is your hope for the future of women, particularly black women in electoral politics? I would hope, you know, it, it, it is uh, this may sound somewhat conflicting. The first thing is that I would hope is that we continue to have the space to be able to lead and to come into politics and be our authentic selves. On the flip side of that, I don't want us to continue to be compared against uh, white women or our male counterparts of whatever race, you know, or color. So, you know, in many ways, I want us to just be seen for the, you know, the the wealth of experience and expertise that we have. But we should still be able to be, you know, the authentic people that we are. I also want us, you know, I hope that it happens in my lifetime. And if not, certainly within my daughter's lifetime, that we are no longer talking about the first to occupy the seats. You know, I am so excited about the fact that my soror, uh, Madam Vice President-elect Kamala Harris, is going to be the first woman of color uh, to be sworn in very soon as our vice president. But we should soon get to the space to where we really do have the, the ability to pass the baton off to other women of color. And we are seeing a succession and um, reflections of ourselves who are moving into the space behind us. And so I am really excited about um, programs, training opportunities um, and experience such as this, where we are building up a bench. Uh, where we do have the ability to be able to, you know, look back or look alongside of us and bring our sister along with us. So, you know, there should not be gaps in leadership. We really should be able to pass the baton on to someone who is coming up behind us or walking beside us. I want to go back to something you said that was really powerful. You talked about authenticity. Tell us more about what you mean when you say being able to show up and lead with authenticity. Well, <laughs> this may seem really trivial, but when I talk about authenticity, I had to make a conscious decision when taking campaign photos and going out on the campaign trail about the image that I wanted to portray. And I had been wearing my hair natural for about uh, two years and got some, you know, professional guidance around maybe you should straighten that. Maybe you should change your look. And that is like something that I think is maybe a micro example, but it points to a much larger issue around who we are and who we want to be in the spaces uh, that we occupy, including politics. You know, it's really great that we have folks like the squad, 
and congressional representatives who are wearing natural hair in their twist or who are now, you know, bald. But until we have examples like that uh, ahead of us, then it's, you know, really hard to be able to forge a path forward when you are the only one or the only person who is in that space. I, I think that, you know, I'm often hesitant to say bring your whole self because there's some things about us that we want to keep, you know, close to the chest. We may not want everybody to know everything about you. But I do believe that your true values, your true opinions, the experiences that you have had in life, you should be able to bring that into all spaces. And that includes politics. Uh, the last thing that I would say is I also was asked. So I'm really fortunate in that I have the ability to um, raise my children and build my family in a middle class community. But I was also asked, you know, well, how do you think that is going to be perceived by other black women who may not have access to the same resources that you do? Folks, my socioeconomic status does not show up on my chest when I walk into a space. I am a black woman. People don't see my W-2 when I come into a space. I am still being judged by the color of my skin, unfortunately, not the content of my character or the type of car that I drive. And so I think until we can get to a point to where we are able to see each other for all of the many layers that we have, we're still going to be um, stifled by some of the opportunities that, that you know we can ultimately attain until we are able to take a holistic look at our elected officials and, and really allow them to bring as much of themselves as they would like to into the political space. And that is what is going to make us the best possible leaders that we are. We can be vulnerable, transparent, and authentic. If we were to fast forward ahead 10, 15, 20 years from now, you mentioned passing the baton. What would that look like? Because I know at least a question that I've pondered that I still have a lot of curiosity around is, you know, how do we create conclusive spaces, but also prepare leaders and prepare the next generation of leaders to learn from lessons and, and mistakes that we've already made? What, what does that baton, the handing over of the baton, the passing of the baton look like in, in your future? For me, from my experience and, and through my vantage point, it is about making certain people understand how to even get in the seat. So I don't, you know, when I tell my story often to other young women, I will tell them I am still, even though I run for office in my community, a political outsider. So I have been very involved in my community, doing, you know, service work volunteer work, working in education, but I had not really been involved in or at all in politics. I don't come from uh, a political family. And I'm sure that it is, you know, the same is true in other communities where there are certain names that people recognize. And what I learned in my experience is a lot of times though folks from the same family or from the same circles have a little bit easier time getting elected because they know the ropes and they know what happens behind the scenes. You know, if not for having access to some folks, thank goodness, I wouldn't have even known, besides going on the internet, I wouldn't have even known how to file the paperwork. 
what the filing deadlines was, what the process was, how to build my team, you know, what some of the barriers and the roadblocks were that I needed to be on the lookout for in order to be able to run a successful campaign. And so I think so often we are thinking about how to equip people to be able to lead from the seat when really what we need to do is to make certain that folks have access to be able to get into the seat. How do you fundraise and who do you need to talk to to get access to the funds so that you can get your name and your face and your message and your platform out there? And for me, that is a real gap in our community is that, and especially among Black women, is that we need more folks who are helping us to build campaign infrastructure so that we can be successful to get into the seat and then have the ability to be able to lead from the seat. I love that. You mentioned something. We talk a lot about candidate training, a lot about candidate training. Elect Black Women Pack, of course, we also care about candidate training and making sure that, you know, particularly Black women have access to at least know where trainings are happening. Talk to me a little bit about, you know, what needs to be true in your opinion to for us to see more, you know, Black women who do feel equipped to run regardless of, you know, the backgrounds that they come from, because we do have a more equitable and inclusive political environment that is helping and to support Black women candidates. You know, what what is your take on what needs to be true for training and, and how we need to be bringing Black women together? I do think that in large part, it is about being able to have someone who can uh, support campaign infrastructure. But I have to be honest um, so we need more black women in all arms and factions of this. So a lot of times, even when you have access to folks who can like help you figure out what you need to do to get elected, it is not people who look like you or who have the same experiences as you. Uh, so I think what needs to be true about the training is that we need to be building up leaders, uh, but we also need to be uh, building up who can run campaigns who can be communications managers, who can be campaign managers, who can be finance and fundraising directors, because we understand our challenges as black women in a way that others do not. Uh, and when I think about some of the missteps, perhaps that uh, we did make throughout the campaign, it was because in many ways I was not surrounded by my sisters. I had some on board and definitely had some mentors and people within my kitchen cabinet that I could reach out to. But my campaign team uh, was not unfortunately largely made up of black women. And so I maybe would have ultimately have made some different decisions if I had had very similar voices around me who understood where I was trying to go and the message that I was trying to convey. Thank you for that. As we close out, one of the things I'd love to have you share with us is, you know, you've talked about the things that are important to you. You know, you've talked about your hope for Black women in electoral politics. Is there something on your heart and mind we haven't discussed that you just feel you must share with our listeners? I would just say this is hard. <laughs> and I know that really o oversimplifies the sentiment that I hope to convey. But the work of electing Black women, being a Black elected official is not for the faint of heart. But that's not to say that it cannot be done. And so I want us to take hold of the fact that 
we can do this as black women. We are built for this. Um, whether you are a hairdresser, you are a stay at home mom with a GED, whether you are the chief officer of X, Y, and Z within your organization, you were built for this. And there is something within you that your community needs. And you certainly have the space and the opportunity to run, to be successful and to lead. Don't let anyone discourage you and make you feel less than. You have a valuable and a powerful voice that needs to be heard. And whether you win or not, for me, the most important thing was I wanted I wanted to be heard. And I wanted people to know that I was watching, that I was paying attention and that someone was going to hold them accountable. And I want to say to anyone that is considering politics as a black woman, we stand with you. We support you and we stand behind you. And yes, it is going to be tough, but please don't give up. Get yourself some therapy. Do whatever it is that you need to do for self-care. Um, because there will be moments where you will just need to step away and really love on yourself. But in the end, I have found it to be so worth it and such a valuable like, experience for me and my life trajectory. Uh, and I look forward to supporting and standing be behind others who intend to do the same. Thank you for that, Christy. And where can folks find a little bit more information about you? Well, I'm always talking about stuff that's important to me on Twitter. So you can find me and uh, my rants, uh, but also a lot of uh, educational tools and resources that I post, particularly that I believe are valuable uh, for parents and families on Twitter. So it's Christy M. Sullivan. I spell my name K-R-I-S-T-Y M. Sullivan. Uh, that's my handle on Twitter. And you can also find me on Facebook at Christy Sullivan, the number four schools. Um, so please go out, follow me, like the page. I look forward to interacting with you. That's all for today's show. Thank you to my producer, Jennifer Sharp, and her firm, Sharp Lifestyle Communications, the team at Elect Black Women PAC, and the audio team that helps make all this happen. I'm appreciative of each of our guests, their willingness to share their leadership journey with us, each of you who listen to our show and our advertisers. If you have feedback for us, please email us at info at electblackwomenpack.com or tweet me at rpowelldennis. If you love our show, please subscribe and leave us a review. Also, be sure to share it with your friends. From Elect Black Women Pack, this is Ruby Powell Dennis. I'll talk to you soon.